Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. We're going to chat to Suzanne McFadden on Valerie Adams. Yesterday, the great Valerie Adams announced her retirement from a sport she dominated for so many years. The two-time Olympic champion will end her career as one of New Zealand's greatest ever athletes. She now turns her attention to her sister, Lisa, who she'll continue to coach heading into the next Paralympics. To help us reflect on what has been an outstanding career, we thought we'd turn to Suzanne McFadden. She's the editor of Locker Room and has followed Val closely throughout her career. And we're stoked to have someone of her expertise on the show. Thanks for speaking to us, Suzanne. Good morning. Good morning, Izzy. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. Was worth oh, getting up I early. Mean... <laughs> oh, this ain't early, is it? Is this early for you? Surely you'll be up <laughs> at five thirty, having a nice coffee, going for a wee walk. Surely. Oh yeah, I have to wake Karen to get out of bed to go <laughs> work today. <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, quickly before we move on to today, Valerie Adams. Before we move on, how's Kezia yeah. been? How's Kezia been? And and has he been behaving at home? Has he been carrying his weight? Has he been offering any help and support around the house? Cooked you any meals? Bought you a nice <laughs> cup of tea? You know, we've had this discussion before, Izzy, and he's um, <laughs> he's still not doing his washing. Oh, so my. you were going to work on that with him. Um, no, he's a good boy, and you know what? He loves his job. He loves working with you, so... Um, we're really impressed that he gets up every morning, um, rain or shine, and turns up to work. So He's telling us to wrap this interview already, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't I even can't the good comment part on the washing. I can't even comment on the washing because I don't even do my own washing. So I, I, I feel your kids. I feel your kids. That's what good mothers are for. Man, my mum used to... Walk around everywhere for me and do that too. That's why we love our mums. I'm a mummy's boy and I'm sure Kez is a mummy's boy too. But appreciate you coming <laughs> on the show, Suzanne. Um, talk about Val. Val, was, was, that, yeah. uh, was it the news that you kind of predicted? Um, obviously, she made the announcement she was going to have a media press conference. Um, we all assumed she was going to retire. But was it the right timing, do you feel, for, for Valerie Adams and, and, and where her yeah. career is at and what she's been able to achieve? You know, 
honestly, I was still 50-50 when I turned up mm. yesterday that um, she was going to retire. I thought there was still a part of me that thought, well, maybe she is going to go through to the Commonwealth Games and, and that will be her swan song. But, um, you know, when you think about it, 22 years she's been competing for New Zealand. And I think that Mm. we forget just how much she's achieved in those 22 years because she's, you know, always been there. And when um, Peter Fitzinger, um, the CEO of Athletics New Zealand, was reading out her list of achievements yesterday, which, you know, went for about three minutes, um, you just kind of went, oh, my God, that's right. You know, she was Halberg mm. Sportswoman of the Year seven times. She won the Supreme Award three years running. I remember, I think oh, back wow. to those times, I was like, is anybody <laughs> else ever going to win this thing? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, her dominance on the world stage. My God, she had, I, and I didn't know this, a streak of 107 successive shot put victories from 2006 wow. to 2015. Nobody could be there. So she, you just can't kind of imagine an athletics competition without her in it. And I think that she's, it's going to take her a while to get used to that. She was really emotional yesterday. You would have seen the videos of her yeah. um, choking up as soon as she started speaking because it was a big decision for her. And it's been the only thing that she's known in her life other than being a wife and a mum um, and and looking after her mum as a 15-year-old when her mum was dying, athletics has been her her soul, her passion, her life, her career. Um, so she's not lost her athletics, of course. Um, she's going to continue yeah. coaching her sister Lisa in Paralympics. So it's... Mm. It's sad, but in a way, it's really, really proud that we had her Mm. representing New Zealand for so long and doing so much. Suzanne, I mean, she's a she's a proudly fierce, independent woman. She's uh, she's strong. Mm. She certainly uh, steers her own ship uh, and her own destiny. when she was at uh, the the last Olympics in Beijing and, and all these stories came out, that's it, she's done, she's going to retire, do you think she actually wanted to then but was like, you know what, I'm not going to let you guys dictate when I go, so I'm going to say nothing for a while and make you all look stupid and then I'll decide later on? You know her so well, Ricardo. Oh, my God, that is, that is bowed to a T. You know, she is always like, oh, you guys want me to come out and say that I'm retiring and I'm not going to. She's, it's the first question you always ask me at a press conference. So, yeah, there would have been a bit of that, um, yeah, that fierceness that, you know, you're not going to determine when I give up, I will do that. And I think she, you know, she came home and I imagine that she was tired. She was a lot away for a long time in Tokyo for both the Olympics and then the Paralympics straight afterwards. And she came home and she found it quite hard. You know, she, she had to spend that time in MIQ, then transitioning straight back into being a mum. She found that really hard and I think that was a big part of it, that she went, I can't keep doing this. It's not fair to my kids, it's not fair to my husband and my mother-in-law who looks mm. after the kids when I'm away. And also, you have to um, acknowledge that her body is really tired. She has had so many yeah. surgeries, um, so much treatment. She gave a huge call out to 
her um, Lulabelle, her physio, Lou Johnson, who used to be my physio too, just throw that in there. Um, a wonderful woman, amazing woman. And she's held her together for a long time, just like she held me together for a long time. But she held Val together for a long time, and Val admits that, that without Lou, she just couldn't have carried on, probably for the last 10 years, I think. Um, so, yeah, she said her body, her, her soul, and her heart, that was the other thing, <laughs> her heart, her kids, mm. um, that was the deci- that, that was made, what made the decision for her in the end. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's not an easy easy decision when you got to step away from something you've loved and you've done for such a long period of time. And I guess your body is the telling point. Without your body, you aren't able to to do the things that you used to. It's time to to move on and, and start your next journey in life. And you spoke about it. She's not she's not lost to athletics, and it's great to see her involved with Lisa and and helping her sister achieve her goals and giving back to the great uh, sport of athletics and shop what shopport in particular but can you see her uh doing things outside of the arena the big arena like potentially going on and and linking up with some big brands around the world some big brands around the country and she's so marketable so what else could you see her her doing outside of the athletics arena yeah well she will she'll carry on those relationships that she's had with her sponsors because Mm. she's so so good um and Mm. She'll also, I think, do a lot of work with the Tongan community now, especially in South Auckland. Um, yeah. You know, she is seen as a real role model for young Tongan kids, and she's going to, I, I think this is the time that she'll really do something with that. She has, you know, she does a lot of work out there. She goes and works with the kids at um, Bruce Pullman Park um, three days a week. Um, while she's out there with Lisa, she'll go and help the kids with athletics as well. She's been giving them her shoes, the shoes that she gets from Nike. She doesn't, she doesn't want to wear them all, so she's been giving them to kids who don't have shoes because that happened to her when she was a 13-year-old at um, Southern Cross Campus. She was started throwing at competitions barefoot. She, her family couldn't afford a pair of shoes for her, and a PE teacher gave her a pair of shoes. Now she's repaying that to other kids, which I think is just shows her heart. And um, but I, I really think that you know I could even see her in in politics. You know, she is a straight. Yeah. Shooter. Oh, yeah. She doesn't hold back. And maybe, you know, there's there's an opportunity for her there. But I think right now she just mm. wants to concentrate on being uh, a wife and a mum to Kimoana and Kipalele, who, you know, has a little boy who's has got type 1 diabetes, and she, you know, that takes up a big part of their lives too. So, mm. first of all, mum, second coach, third, um, you know, a member of the community. I think we're going to see lots yeah. more from her. And, you know, she's a dame. She's got a damehood to live up to, too. You don't just sit back Ooh, down yeah. when you've been made a dame. It's a responsibility, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Yeah. She might she, she might be too honest and too straight-talking to be a politician for too long. As I said that, I thought exactly that, Ricardo. I thought, oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it might be just a brief part of her career. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing she is on the Athletes um, Commission um, for World Athletics. Yeah. 
and um, which is a huge role. And so, yeah, they, they love her for, you know, that black and white attitude and, she, and sticking up for athletes and saying, really saying what athletes need. So, yeah, she'll, I think she'll go a long way in that area too. Now, Suzanne, you, I mean, you've, met, you've met her, you've talked to her a, a number of times. What do you think's made her such a yeah. dominant force for such a long period of time in the sport? Um, definitely her attitude um, that um, that no take no prisoners attitude um, <laughs> she she wants to win um, she told her mum on her mum's deathbed that she she would go to the Olympics well she did that five times um, she's a very strong individual um through coming through that as a young kid but um, yeah she also is very a very proud New Zealand a, bit, a very proud Tongan uh, and you know she's got the, the mana behind it she's got the weight behind it she, she was a you know really strong athlete too and she worked hard and that time that she spent in Switzerland um, working with um, Jean Pierre was just um, so so important to her career and learning to train differently, really using st- her strength, and the, which meant that she, you know, her career she elongated her career to 22 years, and you know, not many athletes can do that. Yeah, she's a fascinating uh, individual, and she's done some. Freakish things around uh, the sport of athletics. For one, we're just going to let you go very, very shortly. Before then, Kez is telling me to wrap up. But before then, I've got to ask, I've asked a <laughs> question. We spoke a lot about Dame Valerie Adams and her amazing achievements and uh, she deserves retirement and time to spend with her family. But Kez, if he was to cook dinner, if he was to cook dinner tonight, what would that be? What would that be? Or has he ever cooked dinner for you? <laughs> yes, he has. He has. He's getting. He's getting better at it. Um, okay. I think he'd probably make us chicken tacos, and Ooh, and not chicken. only he would. I I I want him to. So I'm putting that oh. challenge out to him. <laughs> there you go, kids. Chicken tacos, <laughs> mate. Turn your mic on. Yeah. You're right a reply. What do you got for mum? I actually thought that uh, chicken tacos was on the list tonight. So as soon as I heard that, I knew that that was actually like I was being told that I'm cooking dinner tonight. <laughs> so yeah, uh, cheers for that, Izzy. You're listening to oh, Baz yeah. and Izzy. No, I'm joking. No, I'm carry yeah, on, carry yeah, on, carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, Suzanne, that uh, he knows that he's being told to cook chicken tacos, but he doesn't know when he's being told to do his washing. Um, I, I, I did pick that up. Sorry, sorry. The washing is actually the one job that I do. Like I'll admit that. It's the one thing I do. Thank you, Suzanne McFadden. Kez's his mum for coming on the show and always bringing a laugh and some good energy. And sharing some insights of the great Dame Valerie Adams, who has retired from shot put competition. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you, Izzy. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Karen, for cooking dinner. Yeah, welcome back. We're 16 minutes away from eight with Karen in the news. And then the next hour, we've got a big, big hour ahead talking a bit of cricket, white ferns, and a bit of football ferns. But right now, it's time to talk some rugby.
Crusaders will welcome some new faces. I'm sure they will welcome some new faces to face Moana Pacifica this Friday. They haven't announced their team yet, but I'm sure today when we hear the team being announced, that one face I'm predicting to be a part of the squad will be Te Toiro Tahuriorangi, who has made his way down to the beautiful South Island from the North Island. And he's on the line now. We won't keep him long. He's got a busy, busy day. This is the day, the preparation day leading towards Friday, so he'll be busy. But he's on the line now. Te Toiro, morena, my brother. Morena, Daggy. Uh, nah, thank you for having me, bro. I uh, appreciate it, eh? Nah, great to have you on the show. We're joined by Ricardo Ball. He's uh, part of the show as well, brother. So appreciate you coming on the show. Um, tell us, mate, how's it been? How's it been uh, last couple of months? You've been down south now. Uh, you've, been, you've made the transition south. You've reconnected with Ray. Razor Ray, how's, how's the last couple of months been? Nah, it's been honestly awesome, mate. I guess um, moving down here was, I knew it was going to be a bit of a challenge, but I'm just glad I've, mm. I've kind of known the boys for quite some time now, whether it's playing them or played with them. Um, mm. And also, a massive thank you to, to Razor, eh, I guess, for chucking out the lifeline to me, um, for coming down to the beautiful um, 03 Christchurch and then just been enjoying <laughs> it so far. The environment's been good. Um, like I said, the um, the boys have been just getting around me and it's kind of made my transition a lot, a lot smoother than what I thought, so now it's been beautiful so far. What's what's the biggest difference and what's one thing you've noticed about your transition? You've been a part of some fantastic clubs, you know, you're playing for Bad Plenty, you've been at Chiefs Mana, uh, you've been at the Taranaki. What was something different that you've you've noticed from the Crusaders and, and the way they go about their work? Oh, bro, honestly, I could just say they're both different, eh, bro? You know, like up north, there's a bit of razzle-dazzle, um, <laughs> bit of throwing the ball around, but I guess down here, everyone just knows their role, I guess, eh? And uh, what I mean by that is, yeah. Man, they're just hard workers. Um, they're just like your your classic farmers. They just go about their things, <laughs> and then you know you got the the brown the brown sugar boys running around passing it to them. <laughs> Let them kind of do, you know, do the do all the tough stuff, and um, all the brown sugars just kind of reap the rewards off them. So now nah, it's been awesome. <laughs> I guess just um, being amongst that um, that kind this kind of environment, and and I think what Razor has done. Oh, and all the other coaches they've yeah. done for this club has been um, superb. Just, um, you know, the dynasty that's been down here. And I think the easiest thing for me is just to go out there and just do my thing. I don't have to worry about anyone else. Te Toiro, it's Ricardo here, bro. Um, you talked about uh, being down there and, and, and how, uh, you know, it's a, it's different and the, these guys are hard workers and they're, you know, they're, they're real people. I mean, you you obviously uh, know Bryn Hall from your time uh, with New Zealand Māori as well, the, the Māori All Blacks. Uh, I mean, he's a undercover Aucklander. I don't know how he's keeping that under wraps <laughs> down there, but uh, has, he, has, he, has he shown you the ropes? How's he, how, how much easier has it made uh, having him down there with you? Nah, uh, like you said, mate, um, I've known Brenner for quite some time now, and if you know Brenner, he's the ultimate competitor. Um, he's just into <laughs> everything, eh? Honestly, he um, can't even play cards with him without, you know, kind of having mm. arguments and stuff like that. So it goes to show the, the type of man he is. Um, he's awesome, man, though, eh? Like, you know, a genuine kind of person, and, and uh, I've learned so much from him. And, and I guess moving down here, he was kind of the person that reached out to me in terms of um, making sure I was, you know, settling in pretty well and stuff like that. So he has been um, been been awesome, I guess, as a mentor, but also, like, just seeing him about his work, like, Daggy would know too. So 
just the ultimate competitor who you just want to keep competing with and, and match that competitiveness. You said that uh, you know you you wanted to thank um, Razor for, for for the lifeline. Um, what do you think? I mean, you know, when you were at the Chiefs, of course, you got called in as a as a as a pretty young guy to to the All Black environment. A lot of people, when you first got announced, were like, "Hey, where's this kid come from?" Um, so, why do you think it didn't work for you, maybe so much at the Chiefs? I guess for me too, uh, uh, being close to home and stuff like that can be a, quite a distraction and stuff like that. But um, I always knew if I was with my family and in a place where I was, you know, um, comfortable and and just, you know, doing my work, that things will go my way. And obviously, mm-hmm. at the Chiefs, um, yeah, like stuff I couldn't control, like injuries and selections and stuff like that, um, didn't go my way. And like I said, mm-hmm. Razor just reached out to me and, and wanted to know if I would be keen to come down here. And, and like I said, it was a bit of a, I ain't going to lie, you know, up north, mm-hmm. um, the razzle dazzle and all that stuff, but then again, down south, I've never lived. The furthest I've lived away from Rotorua was Hamilton or Wellington, and you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a um car ride down. But mm. all my family now have to like kind of fly over, which has um been something new for me. <laughs> but I hey, as long as I got my family and stuff like that, I, I know that's when I'm at my best. And like I said, it's just a massive thank you to to Razor and them for being able to believe in me and, and still keep me back. Uh, and Super Rugby, oh, so it's just been like that. Oh, you're an absolute champion, brother. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing those insights. Um, look, the team hasn't been named yet, but I've already predicted you to start at nine, so if you are out there, bro, go out there, put that jersey on and just do your thing. And like you said, nail your roles, and that's all you have to do in that jersey, my brother. And um, once you get out of prison, out of that uh, COVID Little little locker room that you got going on in there where you can't even go out and, and do normal things in life. We'll catch up and, and have you over for a Kai, eh? Yeah, brother. Sounds good. Nah, cheers for that. Cheers, team. Oh, the White Ferns are on fire. How good. The White Ferns put the rest of the world on notice with a win over the Aussies, spearheaded by an incredible performance from captain Sophie Devine. She finished with 161 runs off only 174. 17 balls, a performance that must give herself and her teammates a lot of confidence heading into into the World Cup. Starting this Friday against the West Indies, Bob Carter will be hoping as he sees more performances from his players like this one in the coming weeks. And But knowing every good coach, he won't be getting too far ahead of himself. He knows he's got a big, big task ahead of him. And Bob Carter is on the line this morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you? Oh, we're very well, very, very well. Uh, mate, tell us about that performance yesterday, firstly. I know you won't well, be in too far. It's only a pre-season. No. But yeah. you must be pretty happy uh, with that, what you've seen so far. Well, I think particularly um, we were given a bit of a wake-up call with our first warm-up match when we were when we were mm. well beaten by, by Pakistan. Um, and we, we managed to sort of talk that through. And um, But... But I, I think yesterday's performance was was a real show of, um, you know, perhaps perhaps we are capable of. Um, I, I actually thought we bowled actually pretty well. It was a very good pitch. Um, we, mm. we managed to hold Australia, who who obviously are a very fine batting team. Um, and um, and I, you know, you sort of laugh sometimes. You think you look at three twenty, you sort of have a bit of a giggle sometimes yourself and say, oh, you know, perhaps they're about twenty short. Um, well, obviously it did prove the case, although. <laughs> I think there was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment at the time, but 
obviously we then witnessed um, you know Susie Bates and and Sophie Devine um, you know lead the charge um, and then once um, yeah. Susie got out we saw we saw Amelia Kerr um, you know play a play a stunning stunning innings but uh, what was noticeable for me was was that all day um, Sophie had been very calm she she sort of turned up to the mm. ground she she'd had a few hits and and she'd sort of bowled well at practice we all, we're all talking about. Um, and then she didn't, you know, early on in her inning, she sort of took a number of balls to get in as Susie sort of got away to a flyer. Um, and then obviously it was towards that sort of sort of middle stages and towards the end where, where Sophie um, sort of sort of thing just, just really played a, a wonderful inning. So a lot of, lot of com- confidence building as we talk about, you know, the old cliche. But mm. I think the main thing yeah. for me is the self-belief that, that hopefully it's given us heading into the main event of the tournament. Oh, Ricardo's you, mic's you know, you, just, just off. Oh, oh sorry. On now, yeah. I'm on now, yeah. okay. Uh, Bob, sorry. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say, uh, 20 runs short was might have been more like uh, 100 runs short because, I mean, you did it with seven overs left as well. Who scores 325 and still has seven light overs up this sleeve? <laughs> well, I've never known. Well, as I said to the girls, we talked about the partnerships and we had a 100 partnership and then a 200 partnership and I'd, I'd never said that, that before in a team meeting. So um, we, were, we were sort of pretty... But but as I say, you know, you, you know, and you've obviously alluded to it. The deals were were pretty level. We must, you know, we must still respect the game and, and stay humble. And we know that obviously the main mm. event, every team's trying to win it. And um, you know, it's it's just we need to take something out of the last two games um, as to as to where where we're at. And um, looking looking forward to to moving well forward, obviously to moving from Christchurch to Tauranga to to play the first game against the West Indies. Mate, we spoke to you before the uh, the Indian uh, series, and congratulations on a great series, four one, in the end, and, and outstanding, emphatic, uh, you know uh, the way of going about it. But t- we when we spoke to you, what what's the biggest um, thing you can take from that series, and the noticeable difference that you've noticed as a coach from the group, from the leaders within the group, and everyone um, contributing? What can you put that down to uh, from that Indian series? I think we've we've remained um, when we when we've acted to our game plan, trying to bowl the team out, and then if we don't, then trying mm-hmm. to chase the runs down or setting a target. We've, we've started to really look at the actual game itself rather than get too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I felt at times we've become a little bit fretful. Um, in in the past, you know, we we sort of were okay in England. We we, we created some chances, but then we we lost our way. Um, we're against India. Um, I thought we always stayed in the moment until the very last game when we didn't quite score enough mm. runs and we missed a couple of chances. But it's it's certainly pulled together. I mean, even yesterday, you know, we were we were under the cosh against Australia and, and we managed to you know chip away and get the wickets that we needed. And and you know, no, we joke about 321, but it, it was it was one of those feelings that we thought, oh, you know, actually it's not not too too bad. Um, it's a big score, but mm. you know, can, how can we, how can we now attack this? And look. Well, I don't think we didn't talk about, you know, how we were going to go about it. We we knew what our game plan was. We knew what we had to be at ten overs in the first ten. We knew what we wanted to be at thirty, um, and you know, and we hit those straps. And and hopefully, you know, we could we can take that away, um, you know, for for the you know as we as we move forward in this competition. You know, and Sophie got quite tired towards the end with with obviously. Um, you know, being diabetic, we had to really sort of really make sure that she was okay. And at one stage, I was thinking we were going to have to 
take her off, but she assured me she was going to stay till the end and just swing as hard as she could, which I thought she had been doing, but um, uh, she she thought she could have just uh, do a little bit more, which made me made me giggle a little bit. <laughs> Mate, that's great little insight you've just shown there, because a lot of teams and there'll be a lot of teams around New Zealand that when when the going gets tough, they just yeah, you know, go back to the trenches and just start again. Oh, this game's already gone. But for a team like yourself, the White Ferns, when you're 321 down, uh, you're chasing 321, that's a, you know, a humongous uh, uh, total to try and chase down. But who's at the forefront of those changes? Who's making, uh, who is in the team? Is it Sophie Devine and Susie Bates, the leaders that are really changing the mindset and instilling the belief that anything is possible? Or is it, is it coming from you and uh, the coaching staff? No, I, th- I think that's a key word. I think the the mindset that we've tried to change. I mean, we've been on the, you know, we, as you well know, we've been on the back of some, you know, some some hidings, um, you know, against yeah. Australia, against England, um, and and at least we're now trying to, you know, manoeuvre our way. Well, this this was a this was a big score, but you know, this is what we've got to do. Um, I mean, was was very much in the moment when the partnership was on. She knew what she had to do. She'd come over and. I made a little check and said, you know, we still need to be at this. Do we above at 30? And, yep, that's our plan. Let's stick to that plan. We know what we can chase down um, in those last 20 overs because it becomes very much like a, you know, you get to 30 overs and you're only one down and you need, you know, 130, 140 to win. It's it's a T20 game. And we all now know with with how T20 has changed changed the game. Let's change it for one-day cricket as well. Everyone know what is possible to score in the last 20 in the last ten, in the last five overs, and nothing now seems to be seems to be safe. And um, you know, we just need to take out you know how we played. Can we take that now, that self belief, up to Tauranga to start this whole competition? But I felt in the Pakistan game we'd we'd almost left. We'd almost we're already in Tauranga. We yesterday we had presence <laughs> in the you know to be able to stay here in this game and against Australia because as we well know you know they're um, you know they're, they're they're the number one team, and and um, you know going into this competition, you know we're obviously going to have to beat them, you know hopefully a couple of times, and and um, to, to to do well at the World Cup, and and to you know to stand a chance of winning it. That's that's what we have to do. Yeah, you mentioned uh, earlier, Bob, about uh, you know England and that tour of England. And I talked to you on that tour, and I talked to you post that tour as well. Yeah, and and it felt like you would you would. Just just behind England in terms of you know you were nearly there to win both the ODI and the T20 series but couldn't quite get it done. In terms of bridging that gap, what have you done as a coach with the team to bridge that gap that we saw then to India, who are very much on par with England to, to beat them so convincingly in a series? Well, I think you've just mentioned it with the mindset side of things, and and we talk a lot about that. You know, we know that we've got the skills. I mean, I believe we've got our skills within our whole group from our senior players. To, to what we've got now with our, um, you know, with our younger players who've come in and those who have played for a while. We know we've got that, but did we really have that self-belief that we can get across the line and we can bowl teams out? And I think against in, winning the India series the way we did, it certainly helped that. Um, you know, if we'd have, you know, we, we missed, uh, you know, we also missed a couple of players on that on that England tour for, for different reasons, for injury and, and et cetera. But, I, I thought that um, we've we've just started to hit our straps well, and you know we can't we can't perhaps ask for anything more, um, I suppose as a, as a coach and, and with with our staff to when we're going into into the main event now. 
So, Bob, it's not all serious, and you'll be a, a great coach. I know you'll have great balance within the squad. Well, how are you going to balance the girls so they aren't burnt out from just cricket, cricket, cricket? Because my learnings from playing a World Cup at home, it can get pretty demanding and pretty testing at times when you're in an environment, the pressure's right on. How are you going to, to instill a bit of balance within the squad so you know come game time they haven't been burnt out, they've got a lot of energy and a lot of fight to, to put in some good performances? Yeah, and we, we look to have different um, things as we go on. I mean, the girls are great watchers of Married at First Sight, um, so that keeps them pretty grounded. <laughs> um, um, I, I, of course, like to I've been watching that too. golf course. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I escaped to the golf course, and Soph, I think, will play. She might play nine holes tomorrow with us um, in, in our group. Um, isn't it Wednesday? Don't you? Isn't, isn't it time for you to get beat by Macca again today? Oh, don't start, don't start, mate. They're, sorry, they're mate. burglars sorry, sorry. down there on the Wednesday sorry, conference. Mate. Hey, I shot 74. I'm going into the... Uh, I shot 74 yesterday. I'm going into this little bit of form today. Eh? That, that's, that's serious. That, that is real serious. <laughs> um, but no, we, we, sort of, yeah, we sort of get out and about. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate, aren't we? I mean, we, you know, we're able mm. to, to still do things despite what it is. And, and we're, say, we've been in Christchurch, so we've been able to walk around the park and, and stuff like that. It's, and sort of see people at a distance, which is which is uh, it's it's good, but it's awkward. Um, and then we go up to to Tauranga, where where we stay is right beside the the, the, the water. So we're we're very fortunate in that, and it, and it just helps mm. you know keeps the girls um, pretty pretty level, pretty humble. As I say, I mean we don't get you know we don't get many opportunities to play, as you know, to play a, a home World Cup. So we we mm. want to make the most of it. And although you know we talk about well. You know, we can't have too many crowds or this, you know, we're limited, but we still had people there yesterday who were, who were cheering us on, which was, which we much appreciated with, with the amount of people that, that did, did turn up and, um, and support us, of course. Bob Carter with us, the White Ferns coach. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Carter, the White Ferns coach with us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Uh, Bob, we asked the serious questions here. So, serious question. You mentioned married at first sight. Which member of the of the White Ferns team do you think would make the best competitor on married at first sight? Who do you think? Oh, wow. Well, I'd, I'd have to be careful what I what I said there. Um, cause, cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm, I'm so, I, yeah, that is a very serious question and, and one I will really sit on the fence about. I have I couldn't. I couldn't someone clearly comment. The, there's someone that that's, has a genuine interest at being married, but then there's always that someone that has a bit of controversy. Who would go on that show and just stir the pot? Surely, surely there'd be someone. Well, Katie Martin, <laughs> Katie Martin would certainly <laughs> stir the pot. Yes, um, she she would not miss it. Yeah, in fact, I think the other night when I walked in, the girls were actually on the chairs watching it. They were standing up, um, and then they were, some some were not bearing to look. So. It was quite, um, and, it, and, it, and it's actually really interesting. I think we talk about, oh, you know, being able to switch off and switch on, and, and I think this is this is what happens. You know, you you need something else. You need to be to, you know, get away from it's, it's cricket, cricket all the time. But then you need to be able to, mm. like, okay, okay, um, you know, every, all the athletes were at practice. This is our focus, and and we've got better at that. I honestly believe we've really, and and as COVID is has brought us together because we are in one place. We do all eat together all the time. Um, and, and, I, and I honestly believe it's been a real um, plus for us to, to be able to keep yeah. playing cricket, you know, not just in, in New Zealand with the amount of games we've had, which has been great, but also being able to, you know, we were lucky enough to go to Australia and then England and, 
and it's been a real um, yeah it, it's it's really worked well for us and and I hope that you know that really um, holds us holds us well through this World Cup. Baz and Izzy for breakfast, the home of nearly correct information about everything. Um, <laughs> but, but joining us is a is a man who knows what he's doing, and he has coached uh, both the Matildas and the Football Ferns, as well as some time in charge of uh, the US women's team as well. That is Tom Samani. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Ricardo, I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for getting up bright and early. I know it's only 20 to uh, twenty to 7 over there in, in Sydney where you are at the moment, mate. But uh, what was your reaction to the news, uh, finally getting to see a, a bit of a series between uh, the Trans-Tasman rivals? Well, absolutely delighted. You know, it's something that's, uh, that's been missing for a while. Although, you know, we did play against uh, Australia in a, a little tournament in 2019. But before that, there had been very little, very few games between the teams and um, and in the past we used to play quite often so it's really good to actually see that connection come back again. Hey, it's great. I mean, we've got that connection in a lot of sports where we play Australia regularly uh, and, but it doesn't seem to happen in football. We'd love to see uh, more of that. Now, do you think they, they, there, there is room in the international calendar to make this a regular occurrence? Uh, there, there should be. You know, I think the challenge that we have with our football is that uh, these days because of the global uh, aspect our game is that most of the players are actually playing overseas, so it's a long journey for for the actual players themselves. But um, as I say, I think you know this could be hopefully the start of perhaps you know, like an annual event between the two teams, and not just it's not just happening at senior level, but uh, there's also a, a games going on at the under twenty level as well, and I think that's important too because it's it's really important that you know we're, we're kind of a bit isolated down here, so we really need to have a greater connection between the two countries, and which will help both of us, football-wise. Now, you've uh, you've been watching, of course, uh, the way that the Ferns have been developing. We've got a, a World Cup coming up in this part of the world, uh, not too far away, co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand. Uh, what do you make of the way that the football Ferns are, uh, are progressing their game under uh, Yipkick and Clover? I think they're doing very well. I mean, it was a good thing to get rid of that clown who was in charge beforehand. Um, so they, <laughs> <laughs> and get somebody in that knows what they're doing. Um, no, I, I think Jetka's doing a, a great job. She's a, you know, she's a, not only is she a fantastic coach, but she's a great manager of players, and she's, um, I think, got a great um, personality to manage the firms. Uh, you know, and I've watched quite a few of the games she's taken over. And I think I think they're um, looking promising for the World Cup. And I think the thing that she's been able to do is start to look at some of the players that are coming through, so some of the younger players that are trying to break into the team. And I think that's really, really important to for the development of the squad and to continue to strengthen the squad. Hey Tom, it's uh, Izzy here. Great to have you on the show. Um, quickly, just you've coached the United States for a year, and they are. Yeah, you know, the the world champions for a reason. Uh, how do we how do we gain get progress to to maybe potentially be a world leading uh, football football team? I know it's tough because most of our squad are, are situated around the country, around the world, so it's hard to bring the squad together. But how do we make gains to potentially potentially be close to to US? Because let's be honest, they absolutely trounced us in that last game. The, the, the US is a difficult benchmark because they've got so many things going for us that, that it's difficult, not just for New Zealand, but for most of the most of the countries in the world. Uh, but I think the key mm. thing that New Zealand has to do is that we, we have to do what is 
the best way to develop the talent that we've got in the country. So I think it's a balance, and it's not just focusing on the, the football firms. I think the key thing um, for New Zealand and Australia is, is how they're actually going to develop the younger talent that's in the country and to put good programmes in place that are going to produce players. And I think that's the key thing. And I think one of the great steps that, that New Zealand's taken now is having Wellington Phoenix in the W League. That, that's, a, you know, those kind of things. So putting processes in place that are going to produce players. And then at the top end, it, it then becomes a lot easier at the top end because there are opportunities to play professionally when you become that senior player. But as I say, I think the key thing now is the development. And that's what we're seeing at the moment, Tom. I mean, you know, the the Football Ferns Development Program that has been in place for a while was run by Gemma Lewis, who's now coaching that that Phoenix women's team. It it feels like a natural progression for not just her, but for the players as well, going from, you know, the Football Ferns Development into that Phoenix environment, and then that, again, is a stepping stone to get to Europe or get to the US as club players. Exactly. And, you know, Phoenix won. I was at the Phoenix game last night. They beat Sydney Wanderers 3-2. And and I've watched the Mm. Phoenix throughout this season in the W League and, and the development and growth in those players has been incredible you know and that's just because they've had an opportunity for the last three or four months to be full-time professional players and to be in a competitive environment so so those are the, the sort of some of the blocks that need to be put in place underneath that you need to start to have programs being put in place and you know Christchurch, uh, uh, Dunedin etc etc in the elite development side. So when you talk about, you know, develop, and as you know, that's been, you know, being an all-black <laughs> superstar, is that you need those development processes in place to keep producing the young mm. players coming through. So if you could do that, then it's a lot mm. easier when you start to get to the top end. Mm, totally, totally agree. The only question is, well, a lot of this costs a lot of money. And, and the funding is a big uh, barrier. Uh, and I don't know if, if Football uh, New Zealand has a ton of money, but that is no, probably the no. biggest barrier that we have to no. overcome as a football team and nation, isn't it? 100%. Elite development costs money. That That's a reality. Mm. That's a reality in any sport. Is elite development is, is, is something where you have to put in resources. Um, and and that, that's a challenge for countries like New Zealand who are, you know, are, a small country population-wise who have multiple sports and, um, and, and they're kind of spread out. So you've got a whole range of factors that are challenging. And so the key thing for countries like New Zealand are to come up, to, are coming up with innovative ways that are going to try and bridge mm-hmm. that gap. But I think New Zealand do it you know, unbelievably in a lot of sports. I mean, New Zealand punches above its weight in so many sporting mm-hmm. areas. That it's just incredible. Tom, we, we do have that World Cup not too far away, and of course we've um, we, we had that She Believes Cup recently, and it made headlines for uh, a couple of reasons that they probably don't want to remember, particularly <laughs> Michaela Moore with her with her hat trick of own goals. I mean, you're a, you're yeah. an experienced coach that's been there, done that. I mean, how do you handle a player uh, that has been in that position and has had that happen to them? That that that's a tough one. I mean, I think I think eventually you've got to downplay it. You know, I I personally I'd probably try and downplay it by once, once she gets over the disappointment by bringing a little bit of humour in and sort of saying things, it's not often somebody scores three goals against the US team or in a game against the US. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're on the wrong end. But uh, so I think, 
you know, it's one of the things. You're an elite sports person. Things go wrong at times. Kelly's a great competitor. She's a great professional. And, and it's some of these things that you just then need to come in and, and overcome. And, uh, and, and she'll do that, as I say. And, and in time, it will probably become something that will, um, you know, as I say, when, when this, the hut disappears, it will be something that will probably create a little bit of, of humour around the squad. Yeah, indeed. Maybe maybe presented with the match ball. Maybe do that. Maybe do that. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> perfect, and the perfect hat-trick as well. Exactly, exactly. Hey, Tom Samani, <laughs> thanks very much for coming on, mate. And I know you're up bright and early in Sydney, so uh, I hope you got a coffee on the brew. I uh, really appreciate your time, mate. Go well, and we'll talk to you again soon, eh? No, thanks, really Tom. appreciate the call, and I'm looking forward to the game. Thanks, Izzy. Thanks, Ricardo.